Hey everyone, this is Kelsey Jo Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have transparent and meaningful conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Happy Wednesday! Today's episode is a current event topic. We did this with the Astro World tragedy, and I felt this one was needed as well. When devastation hits our country and our world, it can feel very lonely and confusing. The school shooting in Texas last week is nothing short of tragic and devastating. Our love and prayers go out towards the families and community that are dealing with deep pain and loss. God's purpose for this podcast was to be a safe place of authentic conversations only to help listeners find comfort and strengthen their faith in God. I asked Pastor Joel to come on the show to talk about this recent event with me. Today's topic was a tough one, but definitely needed in this time. So many of us, including believers, struggle with God's promise and His truth during these evil times. We start to question Him and fill our minds with doubt. Being a mom of two young children scares me a lot in these times we are living in. I don't ever want to be in these parents' shoes that lost their children so tragically last week. To be honest, I don't even like talking about it. It's a deep pain I never want to experience. Please listen to this episode with an open mind and an open heart. Go to the Father for your purpose in life and find comfort in His Word. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Purpose Pleasers. This is Kelsey Joe with Picturing Purpose. Today, we have the one and only Joel Wanamaker from Kingdom Church, his third time on the show. Yes, praise God. You're getting so popular. I am. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the most popular, greatest <laughs> podcast in the River Valley area. Hey, you know, we're like top 3%, which is... Really? Yeah, but I mean... What's top 3% mean? In what? In like... Uh, like in the whole world. I love it. Yeah, but you have to also consider how many podcasts there Don't are. Don't say that. Don't say that. Okay, okay. I know, I know, I know. We were once at 5%, now and like only a few months later, it went down to 3%. So I'm believing that one day we're going to be like 0.01% like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yes. We're coming for you, Joe. <laughs> just let just let us on the podcast, Joe Rogan. We'll We'll talk some really good talks and answer any questions that he may have about the new Testament. You know, what's funny is, <laughs> I mean, you gotta think that's quite the compliment is everyone time someone does a podcast, all they can think of is not all they can think of, but the standard is Joe Rogan's podcast. Yes. Way to go Joe Rogan. Yeah. I mean, he is the number one podcast in the world. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I knew it wasn't one time. So. And he just, he started out of his house. Really? Yeah. And he, he really, he just wanted a platform where, People could talk and not feel like they, you know, are constricted about what they could or could not talk about. And then it just kind of went. That's I'm awesome. sure I'm sure it's very expensive to have a commercial on his show. I haven't even looked at that up. At this point, yeah. 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 I mean, he makes he makes good money. Way to go, Joe. Yeah. Way to God go, Joe you. Rogan. Yeah. If only we could <laughs> if only we could take the blinders off your eyes, Joe Rogan. <laughs> One yeah. day, I'm praying. I'm praying for it. Can you imagine how many people 
he could reach. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's episode, we just literally decided to do this the other day because of the school shooting in Texas. And so this episode is going to be a little less lighthearted like our typical episodes. This one's kind of heavy because of, you know, everything that happened this week. It's incredibly sad, especially being a parent of young children in this world. It's it's extremely worrisome to think about sending your children to school and knowing that they might they might not come home. I can't imagine that the way that these parents are feeling the school staff is feeling uh, all of their families like it's just heartbreaking. So the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because I think that there are probably a lot of people, even believers, that are questioning why bad things happen in this world if God is so good, which is a I mean, I don't I don't think that that would make you a bad Christian to question that. Uh, I think that that's just a healthy mindset of like, oh my gosh, God, like you're so good and you do all of these great things and your word says that you are and you are true and that the enemy lives in the world. But why can't you stop evil from happening in this predicament of innocent children and innocent teachers and things of that sort? So before we get into that, for people that may not know all the details of this shooting. I believe it happened on Tuesday and it was Rob elementary school Mm -hmm. in Texas. And this young kid, he was 18 years old, Salvador Ramos. He killed his, well, not killed. He shot his grandma um, before he left the house. He lived with his grandparents And then he drove his truck to the elementary school and I guess crashed. It looked like it was almost like a water ditch or something. Was it like a chase or something? Were they going after him? I don't know if they were even chasing him at that point. Well, I I, I mean, I don't know all the details. This is what was being told to me is that he actually, they were, because I said, how did they get, how did they know they, to get him at the elementary? What? Yeah. You know, and they said, well, they were already on to because for the grandma and they were going from there. That's oh. how they knew even to be there. Yeah. At the, I mean, obviously calls and stuff would happen, but yeah, that's how they stopped it and prevented it and stuff. Yeah. So maybe grandma called. Uh, maybe. I guess we, I guess we don't have all the information we thought. Yeah, we had. Every time I hear it, there's some new yeah, information. And, but, and yeah, yeah. You just never really know at this point. It's only been uh three day, four days since it happened. So it seems like we get more information as the days go on, but he crashed and then he was able to get into some unlocked door at the school that's usually locked. And he went in, he had bought two guns. I guess they were, what are they called? The AK? I'm not. They were rifle. They were rifles or something like that. Okay, but they, the AR 15s. Yeah. But they were, I mean, they were some legit guns that he was able to get like, the week before, a couple of weeks before, after he turned 18. And so he went into the school and he killed several children um, and teachers, a couple of teachers, I think. And then I think what the news is saying, um, at least from CNN that I read last night, is that whenever the sheriff kind of came on to the news and was sharing the information, someone questioned him like, 
why did it take 45 minutes to an hour for the police department to get in there and uh, get him out of the room or, you know, do whatever they had to do to get him out of that classroom? Because they said that he was barricaded. And I'm sure that the other police officers were getting all the other children out of the school. But it seems like that's a big question right now because the parents were standing out there out of the school, like begging to go in and get their children out, which as a parent, and I'm sure you can agree, Joel, that like, I mean, that would just be very, very hard to stand there and not be able to go into the school and try and save your child, especially when you feel like the cops aren't going in there and getting them for you. Like (laughs) I would probably go to prison for my children, you know, for my children's safety. So Mm -hmm. it's very scary to uh, be in that moment. But yeah, that's really all the information I have. I did try to do some research on the shooter to kind of know what his background was. And because we always question, like, why would you do something like that? Why would anyone want to be so evil and kill innocent people, especially innocent children? Like what would go through someone's mind to have to do that? If I were the grandma, you know, I would probably be like, just shoot me. Don't shoot anybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I had read into uh, his parents were interviewed or his dad was interviewed is that he was kind of a troubled kid and he did get aggressive at times. And um, he had started fights at school in the past. He was a, a dropout. He dropped out like right before, like a year before graduation or something. And uh, he didn't have a healthy relationship with his dad or his mother, and so he was living with his grandparents. And in an interview that I read online, the grandfather said something about how this kid was in his room a lot. He was isolated a lot. Uh, he was just kind of in his own world. And what triggered him to get angry and shoot his grandma in the face was she was trying, she was on the phone with AT&T or something to get his phone back on. And it wasn't like they were having issues with that because he had messaged a girl that I guess, I don't think that they were dating. I think she actually was like scared of him and she was just responding back to him. And he said something about how he bought the guns because he posted the pictures on Instagram of the guns that he bought. And he had told her, Um, that he had a secret and she was just kind of like, okay, weirdo, you know, (laughs) like stop talking to me. Basically there's screenshots online and you can read the conversation, Mm -hmm. but he was kind of wanting her to ask him what he was going to do. It seemed. And, um, and then he said something and and she, I I guess didn't connect the dots and know that, you know, that's what exactly what he was going to do. Cause you know, who knows, that someone's actually going to go and, mm-hmm. but what I read into more was that the father was, you know, very heartbroken about everything and very sorry for what his son did. And it's just kind of a really, really sad story mm-hmm. of, you know, all around, which I know we should never ever give excuses for someone to do something like that. But I'm always the type where I look at every situation of like, okay, why would he want to do this? And if he's a troubled kid that doesn't feel like he has, you know, anybody to talk to, 
or, you know, he's isolated and he's, his mental health is off and he's, you know, drowning in evil thoughts, you know, that can lead up to those things. And it's unfortunate. So what do you have to say about all that, Joel? Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't think there's, uh, for people that experience it, for any of those people, like from the mother of the child or mm -hmm. the dad or, you know, the the girlfriend. I mean, because they were all trying to find somebody to blame, but. Right. Or a person to blame in this whole situation, whose fault it is. It's like, I can't tell you how many schools probably have like codes and like who messed up there, who messed right. up there. Right. Who, who screwed up in this way. And I'm like one way or another, probably every single person screwed up in one way or another. And that's just how it usually is. Right. And I mean, every school, except this one just got caught. Right. And, uh, you know, I can't, if someone has mentioned to me something like, you know, they do have lockdowns there at the, but you know, someone said something about a kid could have stuck a stone in the door and cause it's difficult to you know people going in and out they lock them and it's a big pain and blah 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 you know and so it's just you never know really the whole situation and i think a lot of us like to think we know everyone and we like to want to have justice attack on on the situation because we do want i mean for instance i mean you got 19 kids or 18 kids that died and two teachers and someone like we got to figure this out and my i don't want to say i I agree is like, we do have to have, we want to catch them. We want to get it, stop it. We want to do all this. But at the same time, I think we have to realize that a lot of people are really hurting right now. Yeah. Uh, not even the ones we think of are here hurting. And we're, we're so ready in these times to execute justice. But I think as the Bible says, we're sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We should be ready so, so much to execute grace in these situations is what happens as many times is that we get so caught up in our emotions and we get lot, we lose ourselves, especially even believers. We lose yeah. ourselves in these situations and we forget God's ready to come in there and bring healing. But when we are so ready and we're so full of anger, we're letting the devil win in these situations. And God just like, just let me extend my grace to them. I just want to extend grace. And um, God operates a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. He like uh, faith works by love is what it says. And he operates through love. And if we're not walking in love, God can't operate. Yeah. And there's just a lot to this, but not to say that, uh, that there's a time for justice. Yeah. Stop the guy. Okay, stop it. But I think at the same time, if, especially for believers, is we don't do it out of hatred. Because we've got to realize the fight that we're fighting is not against like people. flesh and blood. Yes, <laughs> against people or flesh and blood, as it says, is that a lot of us, what we do is we create a theology where there's not a Satan. And we got to realize is that if you're not a child of God, you're a child of Satan. I know that's hard to, to digest sometimes, but especially if like your loved ones aren't born again and they're not Christians, you're not a child of God, you're a child of Satan. And whoever's child you are or is where you're going to get in your inheritance from. And he was walking out his inheritance. And so we have to realize is that people are blinded and walking in deception. And you could say, well, we should execute on him. I was like, you know, who are we? Who's to say that when that kid was younger, he wasn't tormented by right. something or someone. 
and it turned him into this, then what would you say? Well, execute that person. Well, who tormented him? You know, it's just kind of like such a slippery slope. And I'm just like, we'll just nip it at the root. The root is we have to create a theology where Satan exists. We can't just pick the Bible, the scriptures in the Bible that we enjoy that are really comfortable to digest. And we have to realize there is a demonic presence that operates in the world, not in the kingdom of God, but in the world. There's a demonic presence that operates that influences people to do why do these people do these things i'm like i can tell you where the thoughts come from can i share a story yeah i remember reading uh i read lots of like weird books on uh and uh there was this one i remember this kind of talking about this subject and it talked about this guy even so we always say you know someone had to come from a troubled past to do this and that's not necessarily true. Because, you know, even Satan, he didn't come from a troubled past. And sin originated with him. Yeah. He was living in heaven. So, I mean, like, man. Something's, you know, sin originated in him. So, I remember reading this story. There's this man who was a professor in, I believe it was California. And he had two children. He had, so I'm going down. So, everyone's going to start saying, well, did he have this? Did he have this problem? He, he something very bad happened uh but everyone wants to know let me know his background he had two parents my uh, husband and wife uh mom and dad he had uh, uh financially very stable uh great family great kids no uh history of mental health problems he was a psychology uh he taught psychology at a university in california <laughs> And so everything you would look up, you're like, man, this guy's crystal clear. Right. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything would say, well, did he have this problem? Did he have, no, no, never had it. Wasn't on any medication, nothing. And someone would say, well, maybe he needed to be on medication. Like, but there was no signs of anything that he had. He never complained about anything, loved his life. Right. And this is what happened was one night, this man, I wish I could give the details, but I just was thinking about it. This man was giving his children a bath. And while he was giving his children a bath, he had this thought. "Is like, man, what would happen if my child would go underwater and die? What if I put him under underwater? Would they, like, die? And then he said, the next thing I remember, I opened up my eyes, and my child was underwater, and I was holding my child underwater. And I picked up my child, and I just started weeping and screaming and crying because it wasn't breathing. My child wasn't breathing. And he said, I don't know why I did it. And he admitted to doing it. He said, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it. I'm just going to say this. If you're not a child of God, you're a child of somebody else. And that's who's going to influence your life. Right. And uh, a lot of us probably go back and think when you were not a Christian, why did I just do that? Why did I do that? Why did I even think that thought and just do that? Why did I? I was like, the thoughts came from somewhere. It probably didn't come from God. It's true. Yeah. That is a really good story to think about because, you know, when I first heard the news, I was actually at dinner with a friend on Tuesday night and I hadn't been on, on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything for a few hours. And I got on when she went to the bathroom and I saw all these posts about the school shooting. I'm like, Oh no. And 
I get on there and I see a picture of him and then I see, you know, um, how many children are killed and all these things. And I'm like, my immediate thought is an evil presence had to possess this guy. I mean, it, maybe it was something over time that developed or it was instant, but no, I mean, not even someone that is really struggling with their mental health on a daily basis would probably imagine mm-hmm. doing that to any, that is not any human design brain or heart or soul or anything would imagine doing that. That has to be some type of demonic presence in order to kill innocent lives and, and to be so mm-hmm. active about it too. Like so deliberate, yeah. like I'm doing this, you know, and it happens. I mean, I don't even know how many school shootings Since, there's uh, been now. Columbine. I mean, there's, there's been a lot. Like 2000? Yeah, Columbine or... was a huge one. 99, yeah. So, I mean, could he have just been possessed mm-hmm. in that moment? I don't know. And I, that's what I'm saying. I think sometimes people think they are possessed or something like this. But I'm not even saying that. I mean, like, you got to realize spiritually you're dead before you're alive. That's true. You belong to him. That's true. Before you're alive. So even though there may not be a demonic spirit in you, your spirit belongs to him. Yeah. You know? And so I think uh, we, ha- we don't, especially believers. And I, and I'm trying to say this in a way that, you know, both believers and unbelievers, but you know, we are a threefold being. You are, you have a body, you have a mind and you are a spirit and when you die that spirit leaves it goes up or down and you have to realize this people don't like to do this they want to make it psychological they want to do this but i'm just saying the root of the problems always it's always spiritual yeah it's always spiritual every single time especially if you're a believer you have to say that and if you want to fix the problems, you have to know that's the answer. But Joel, but I don't want to th- be thought of as a fanaticist yeah, or whatever. Crazy I'm person, like yeah. crazy person. But if you're going to believe the Bible, you might as well believe in the Bible yeah, and all of it and all of it, yeah. not just the parts that make you comfortable, because that's the way that's Jesus so spoke. True. That's, that's the so way true. Jesus talked about things. And that's the way Paul wrote the New Testament about things. Um, that's the way the Old Testament was operated by. That's why God said, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. That's why in the New Testament it says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what it says. But a lot of us were like, no, let's just wrestle with flesh and blood because I'm more comfortable with that. And God's like, if you want to fix the problem, you got to get spiritual. It's true. And so even in the past couple of years, I fully agree with you on that. But even before that, when I was a believer, but I wasn't really living for the Lord, I would, I would have looked at you like, wow, what, this is a nut job. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I mean it, and, but that is what happened over time when I strengthened my relationship with Jesus is that he showed me every day. Well, not every day because I didn't read every day, but you know, like anytime I was in the word or anytime that I was, um, in his presence, like it, it just grew me even more. And it wasn't even outside perspectives. It wasn't any sermons. It wasn't anybody pushing me towards that of like, this is what you need to believe. It was me and the Holy spirit on our own, him 
revealing these things to me of everything that you have been through has been spiritual. Everything has been either, you know, Satan wanting you to do these things and me knocking on your door saying, Hey, I'm right here. Like just lean on me and I will, I will take care of it. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about spiritual, because I think there are a lot of even believers that are probably listening right now that get uncomfortable when you talk about spiritual things, spiritual warfare, that we really are just vessels of bodies that are, we have the, we have the free will to choose of what route we want to go. So let me get to my first question, which Mm -hmm. you may have um, possibly answered some of it, but I'm just going to go through it. Why does God let bad things happen? That's a good question. (laughs) I, I always say, I shouldn't say I always say, but I think sometimes we give God way more credit than he deserves. I know that sounds horrible, but I think it does some, kind of sound horrible. <laughs> it does. But let me d- explain this. Okay. Um, is that especially when we say things like, like when tornadoes hit, we have it as saying this like, man, God, why did God do this? Right. Cause he created nature. I'm like, you can't create a theology that doesn't involve the devil. And you know, I want to start off with that is that one, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. So if there's any stealing, there's any killing and there's any destroying, it already eliminates that God had any hand in it. Yeah. Because Jesus said, I have come to do this. And Jesus, we have to all understand this is the perfect will of God. He came to reveal the heart of God. That was his heart. If you know me, you know I love supporting my local businesses. Today, I am sharing one of my favorite restaurants with you, Pasta Grill in Van Buren. Y'all, this place is delicious. If you're looking for an amazing restaurant with wonderful customer service, go visit Pasta Grill. They are located at 810 Main Street, Van Buren, right next to Chapters on Main Bookstore. Their hours are Tuesday through Thursday, lunch 11 to 2, dinner 5 to 8, And Friday through Saturday, lunch 11 to 2, dinner 5 to 9.30. My favorite dish is the seafood pasta. And you can't skip out on their white cheddar dill soup. Pasta Grill has lunch specials Tuesday through Thursday and also offers catering. Check them out in person or visit their website, pastagrillrestaurant.com. You can't create a theology that doesn't involve the devil. And, you know, I want to start off with that is that one, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And then Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. So if there's any stealing, there's any killing and there's any destroying, it already eliminates that God had any hand in it. Yeah. Because Jesus said, I have come to do this. And Jesus, we have to all understand this is the perfect will of God. He came to reveal the heart of God. That was his heart. And Whenever Jesus went somewhere, if someone came up to him, they they were in need of salvation in any way, they got it. Yeah. Anyone that came to Jesus got salvation, said, Jesus, I need this. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. It, it wasn't funny. It's like he came, his plan was for the Jews. Yeah. He came for the Jews to reveal his heart towards the Jews. But even if a Gentile came up to him, they would say, he's like, it's not, Jesus would basically say, it's not that time yet. And then they said, would even the dogs would eat the crumbs 
And yeah. he's like, all right, you got it. Yeah. You know, you got me. And he's like, if you came to him, you got it. And so we have to get to the place where, one, I think we got to create a theology that the devil does exist. And then, two, we have to realize is that God doesn't get to do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't get to do whatever he wants to do. and he, But he does at the same time. Isn't that funny? Right. I think because some people are like, are you saying God's not sovereign? No, I, I think God's completely sovereign, but he sovereignly wrote us into his plan. He sovereignly spoke something, and now he has to hold himself accountable to the words he spoke. Because God's not like us. He doesn't change his mind. He's not a man that he should lie. He is constant, and he is faithful. So if he says this, he has to do it. He's not like us. Like, oh, that wasn't a good idea. He says, I'm going to I'm going to hold on to that. For instance, when in the beginning, when he created Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to give you dominion over the earth. So dominion, if you don't know if that, what that word means, it means you're in charge of the earth. Yeah. And he gave us a choice. You can choose me or not. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we think, well, God's going to do whatever he wants. The whole world's in his hands. No, the whole world's in our hands. And we can allow God to operate and move however he wants to move. You know, if you watch the Dallas Cowboys, with there, there may be some Dallas Cowboys fans here today listening. Yeah. Uh, are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? I am not, but our um, our youth pastor, Mitch, big Dallas Cowboys fan. Dallas so, Cowboys fan. Yeah. Yes, very good. Shout out to Mitch. Uh, there you go. Mitch, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, when you watch Tony Romo, Troy Aikman, Dak Prescott, I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but they're so popular. You hear about all their players all the time, even if they're no good. Right. But if you see them throw a ball and the other team intercepts the ball, you wouldn't stand up and yell, Jerry Jones, that was a horrible throw. If you don't know, Jerry Jones is the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Although he has eminent domain over the Cowboys, he's not the one out there on the field playing the game. And what many of us do when something happens here on earth, we go, God, why did you do that? God's like, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Yeah. And because a lot of us, we've created our theology, not of what God's word said, but what we've heard. Yeah. And so that had to be God. And, you know, some people are mad at God for things that have happened. I know there was a person in my youth group when I was younger, loved God, ran after God. And I'm not going to say this is a, uh, the avenue every person that's maybe atheist or agnostic or whatever, but this was his avenue. And he was um, he was a atheist after this situation happened to him, but he loved God, went after God, very passionate for God. But then his brother died in a car accident and became atheist. And he was hurt because he thought the whole world was in his hands. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we blame God for things that God was not a part of. And uh, there's just so many situations like that. I mean, but then there's situations where like people that I know of that have lost children or close people in their life and it's strengthened their relationship with the Lord, like brings them to it. Yeah. Yeah. And God is reaching um, out, yeah. Yeah. Like I have a friend, Amber, her, her son passed away. I think it was a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago. And I mean, it was, it was very tragic and very heavy for a lot of people. And she actually, I mean, she got more vocal about her faith after that. She even, her and her husband spoke at his funeral and basically, you know, told everybody that they were, of course, they're sad, but they have joy knowing that one day they will 
be with their son for eternity in heaven. And that if, um, they, they really hope that the people listening would, um, also want to live eternity with them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they, I mean, they basically made an altar call at his funeral and I was like, wow, it's really the, such a contrast to look at from someone that is a believer in both situations, but they either take it as how could you do this to me? God, I don't believe in you anymore. Or of course, God, how, how the other side is of course, God, how could you do this to me? But please be with me, mm-hmm. comfort me in this. And she had like this, I'm going to have her on the show someday, but mm-hmm. she, um, she was like, almost comforted like a a supernatural comfort from the Lord Mm -hmm. after that. And she just knew that God was there with her throughout everything. Yeah. So it's crazy to look at the two different sides of that. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I think in all those situations, God's reaching out to you. I think really it is. It's just sometimes it, the hurt is for some people, it's so much. And sometimes people know they're like, I need to get back. Need to get back, and there's always that choice. He always gives you that choice, and like he's never going to force you him on you. That's the thing is like even if God is good, why did He put the tree in the garden? I mean, like doesn't He want us there with Him forever? And He does, but at the same time, He wants you to choose Him. He wouldn't be a, a just God if He didn't give you a choice. He wants you to give you the option: Do you want me or not? And I think that is the perfect God. A God that a perfect king yeah. thinking like he's not going to force you to serve him. Right. He's not going to force you into a relationship with him. And just like any person in life, you don't want to marry somebody that's forced to marry. Right. Him. Yeah. Because if everybody is forced to love something, it's is that love. really love? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's kind of like when someone's like, you know, talking about, do you not care about kids getting education? You should want to give. But if people have to take money out of my paycheck, to give to things, taxes and all that stuff. Yeah. Is that really love? <laughs> you know what I mean? If they like force it, that's called most places. They just call that theft. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? More I like said, control, but we yeah. won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And that's a different subject, but at the same time, it's like, we say we want free choice, but then we want, but we want everyone to choose my choice when God's better than us. We were like, man, I want free choice, but I want you to choose what I want you to choose. And like, God, I'm thankful that our God is so good. He gives us a choice and he gives us the option of the greatest life ever. If you want it, yeah. just follow me, pick up your cross and follow me and I'll give it to you. And so, you know, some of us, we miss it sometimes. And even when we're going after him, we miss and make mistakes, but God's like, you know, Hey, we're going to get there. Jesus is our standard and we're going to meet, we're going to go after that standard of Jesus and we can't change our theology because our experiences don't line up with the word of God sometimes. Uh, you know, and I'll even, you know, because someone will talk about what if someone dies and they go, don't get healed or something like that. You know what? If I died tomorrow, Jesus is still the healer and he wants to heal me. I, I, that's the truth. That's 100% the truth. I don't care what anyone tells me because that's what God's word says. And I, I may miss it. And that's okay. But I know Jesus didn't. He was the perfect will of God ever. He, yeah. he is perfectly lined up and no one went to him. You know, I was talking about this with someone yesterday, uh, just on this subject, kind of. And I, I get on this, this Zoom meeting with a bunch of pastors and Christian leaders of Christian schools and stuff. And we were talking about this. And, 
you know, it kind of was talked about how in Psalm 103, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits towards me, who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases, that crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. And when we think about that, you know, you got to think of, even think of this, Kelsey, is like, think about how most believers would say, yes, he wants to forgive you of all your sins. Yes, they would say that without a doubt. They would fight that. Even if on days that they did something wrong, they would know they're still forgiven. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then the next verse says, it heals all your diseases. They would say, well, that's not true. I was like, wait, you just said this verse before. It says, forgive all your sins. Mm -hmm. and you're, that's why I said sometimes it, in your culture, you didn't grow up with that. You, in your mm -hmm. culture, you grew up. He forgives you and loves you no matter what. But in your culture, you might not heard he heals our diseases so sometimes we got to check ourselves am i doing this because this is what i was or am i really going after his word and what he says yeah. and his word says he heals all your diseases i mean like that sounds real good but my experience doesn't line up with that you know sometimes you wake up you don't feel like you're saved but it doesn't change the fact whether or not you are and sometimes you may go you may have a runny nose but you know what? You guys start declaring over yourself. <laughs> he heals all my diseases. Sometimes you might even get angry. Do you say he didn't make me the righteousness of God? Do you really say, well, I guess he didn't make me righteous. No, that's not what it says. You, you got to start. That's why it's called fight the good fight of faith. And you got to, you don't fight the devil. You fight the good fight of faith because he's trying to take your faith out of you and steal that seed that was put into you. Because, you know, I, I've mentioned this before is like, that's why I think, you know, some people are like, well, this is freaky stuff. But you ever hear these stories in case you're wondering, like even you read the stories of Jesus. This is in the Bible stuff, guys, just so you know, is that when Jesus cast out a devil or something like that, the devil always would act weird. He never would just be like, OK, yeah. he never would. He would always freak out, do something weird. And when I hear stories of people doing that, they hear they see people slithering like snakes floating in the air. All this stuff when people are casting demons out of them or whatever. And that's what the devil does because he knows if I can change their sight of the situation. I can I, deceive them. I can deceive them. Because mm -hmm. you have authority over him, but he's trying to fight your faith problem. He's trying to put question marks in put your head. Put question marks. No, is it really? Am yeah. I really the righteousness of God? Yeah. Am I really healed? And he goes, do I really have authority over him? Because what I always say is he's trying to scare you because he knows. If you know what you know, he can't do anything. He's got to listen. And that's what, that's, this is their tactics all the time. That's why there's waves in your life. That's why there's obstacles in your life. Because he knows if I can get, win the good fight of faith over them. In their weakest point. In their weakest point in their life, I can beat them. But he knows also they have power. Many of them don't even know what they got in the bank. And yeah. he's like, if I can trick them into thinking, you know, and that's what, you know, this kind of off topic, but still on the topic is like, we don't realize the fight here on this earth and the, and if God is good and all this stuff has a lot to do with us because God never changes. It's we're the one that has to change. I was mentioning to this, I don't remember what we had a prayer thing over in Fort Chaffee on the national day of prayer. I did it with, yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, I talked about how the Bible says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, 
I'll forgive their land or forgive them and heal their land. It didn't say if the world does this, it says if my people will humble themselves and pray, if they do what they're supposed to do, I'll do what I get to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're like, God, why did you do this? And God's like, why didn't you do this? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you have faith in me? Why didn't you? I want to do it. I mean, he wants to do it more than you want to do it. And John Wesley said it like this. He goes, it's blowing my mind. If you don't know who John Wesley is, he basically started the Methodist denomination back in the 1700s. Him and his brother. Wesley's Wesleyan United Methodist. Maybe you heard of that. He said, uh, it's amazing to me that it seems like God doesn't do anything unless his people pray. Yeah. And, isn't that funny? It's like something so simple, something so simple. Or, you know, that's why I said is it all goes back to God gave us dominion yeah. on this earth. What are we doing with what he gave us? Yeah. And, uh, he said, I want you to bring everything that you have. I have up here in heaven down here and God is good. And he wants what's up there to come down here. I think we just have a bigger part to play than we realize that we have. I think sometimes it's easier to create a theology that makes us unaccountable for any of our actions sometimes, because then it's not my fault. And sometimes we've got to say, well, maybe we had a part to play on this stuff on earth. That's not going right. Maybe I had a part to play. Maybe when I had that unction, I should have prayed for that person. I should have prayed for that person. You know, it reminds me of the story. And this isn't to make anyone feel bad, but this is to put us into the place where we need to be. Because I'm not blaming people. You know, the people over there in this uh, situation, I, 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 we pray that there be healing and peace to them. And right now, and I just pray, you know, that God would... Anytime the devil does something, God can can bring something good out of it. Yeah. But we got to give him permission to do it. That's right. And I think sometimes like give God permission. I was like, God is so good. Like I said, don't make me preach what I just preached before. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, God is so good. It's like, he wants to do it so bad, but he's not going to let, he's not going to force himself on anybody. Yeah. He will not do that. That's what the devil does. He will force himself on you. But the, God is so good. He wants you to invite him in. And uh, there was, if, uh, I believe it was this minister on TV, if you don't know, his name is Joseph Prince. He told the story about how he was a teacher at one time. And there was, before he became a preacher, he was a teacher. And there was a girl that missed school that day. And when she missed school, he didn't think anything of it. You know, he thought, man, there's, you know. Kids miss school every day. He didn't think anything of it. But one day during one of the breaks or something, kids had some sort of recess or they went to do something. He was in class. And then all of a sudden he said, God put it on my heart to pray for this little girl. And he said, I want you to plead the blood of Jesus over her. And so he said, okay. And so he started pleading the blood of Jesus on this precious little girl. He said, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over her. I just plead your protection over her in the name of Jesus. And Later on in that day, the whole school was kind of going nuts. And they found out that this little girl, he didn't, this is before he found out this little girl was kidnapped. And there was at this time in Singapore, there was a man going around basically like Jack the Ripper that was kidnapping people and kid children and sacrificing them. 
and doing it was I looked it up. All these facts are true. I don't remember all the names of it, but I did look it up. It was true before. And he got this little girl and they found this out and they were on this hunt for them. And then later on in the story, this little girl, they found this girl. Nothing happened to this girl. And he killed so many people in this way. And he was he had her laid down on the table, going to sacrifice her to these gods. And he said, as I was about to sacrifice this little girl, the God said, we can't take her. We don't want her. And I said, we have a part to play. Isn't that awesome? That is, so yeah, that, it gave me chills. And I think sometimes we think there's so many times if God tells you to pray, I'm just going to tell you right now, you do it because you have a part to play. Even though you're not a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist, apostle, maybe a, so a prophet, but as all believers, your voice it's just it carries with such authority here on this earth that when you pray as a believer, you got to realize all of creation, when it sees you now, it doesn't see you is hears the voice of Jesus when you speak. Not that you are Jesus. I know sometimes people want to create a weird theology sometimes, but the Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. And you are seated with him in heavenly places. So you got to realize your position here on earth. When you're walking around, you start declaring things. That's why it says, if my people will humble themselves, realize it's not a, you can't do it. You have to do it with me. Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. I'll forgive them and heal their land. And I think we just need to have a wake-up call. Believers do. You know, I just want, you know, for people that are frustrated and realizes that it wasn't God that did that. God is the exact opposite of that. He had nothing to do with anything evil. The situation in uh, the elementary school, I mean, God wanted to be there so badly. He, he wants to be there so badly. I mean, it's not about anything else. He wants to be there so badly. Even now, he wants to be there for all the people. He, he just wants to be there and bring healing to them. And so we just need, as believers now, we just need to, we need to pray. We need to pray for the situation and lift people up and, you know, yeah. do, do what God tells us to do. So, yeah. And then there's, um, I was thinking of the scripture. You probably know it in your head because you're Not, that kind of guy. Oh, I don't know. Um, about how Satan is the, the ruler of the world. Mm -hmm. So technically, if you want to get, you know, scriptural, and, you know, true to it is that God is just and uh, sovereign, but Satan is the manipulator and the ruler of the world. Like he has. He runs the yeah. world. And we wonder, man, believers should never say, man, if the world would just get it right. I was like, they ain't going to ever get it right. Yeah. They're never going to get it right. Yeah. They're run by the bad dude. Yeah. And I think it's true. Yeah. They're run by him. It's like, you know, some, you know, people get all upset at. You know, I don't know. It's just they get upset at politicians About and all everything. this stuff, everything. Yeah. People just, they're trying to find it. But I always say is like, the devil distracts you from the source. Yes. He's like, I don't want them to know that it's me. <laughs> I want you to get mad at the Democrats. I want you to get mad at the Republicans. Republican, yeah. I want you to get mad at Russia. I want you to get mad at this. He's like, see, they got them mad. They, they're not. But God now says. Now they're dividing. Now they're dividing. Yeah. And he goes, this faith only works by love. And he'll pull you out of love so you can get angry at people. And God, when you start working, looking at things through the eyes of love, like Jesus did, you'll know the source of the pro problem. 
and you'll be able to minister to the people and bring healing to the actual situation. What a lot of people do is they operate in anger to fix the problem. You're never, the worst decisions ever in history were always created by anger. Always. They might have fixed something at first, but then there's so many uh, uh, ripple effects of that decision that you made. You're like, well, why did I make that rash decision? Yeah. That's why it says, be still and know that I am God. Because a lot of times when something hard hits us like this or, you know, that person's brothers died and and all these things, what happens is here comes that I got to distract them. Distraction. Distraction. Yeah. Because, okay, they, I want them to think this is the problem. When the only one that could bring healing to that situation is God, yeah. you know, and so. It's so true. Yeah. And the Bible is tender mercies, loving kindness, follow me all the days of my life, you know, and uh, for I know the plans I have for you. This is overly quoted, but it, sometimes there's so much theology in a, in a verse that you're like, this will help you understand God had nothing to do with that. You know, Jeremiah. 29 11 it says for i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future so if god's plan is to prosper you and not to harm you anything opposite of that was not his plan now some people may say well that was for the hebrew people that was for them god is the same god yeah. as he always been yeah he's the same yesterday today and forever and the god it says that he is not a he does not show favoritism is what it's Peter is saying. I just realized, God, you do not show favoritism is what he said. He goes, so he does it for him. It's his will for them. It's his will for them. And that one person goes, God, if it be your will, will you heal me? And you know what he said? It's my will. And if it's his will for him, it's his will for them. It's his will for them. It's his will for them. So Jesus doesn't change his will. God don't change his will. The Holy Spirit does, doesn't change his will. The father doesn't change his will. It's always going to be his A, plan A. It's always, goodness is always his plan A. Yeah. And sometimes we take plan B and God's like, can I bring you back to plan A? Let me bring you back. And that's okay. And we're all in this process of walking through this race and we miss it sometimes and that's okay. But we're running after the standard and that standard is Jesus. He's the standard. We can't change the standard because we met with something differently, you know? That's like someone, you know, running the Usain Bolt has a hundred meter dash record and says, I, what is it? Nine, five, nine, I believe. And that's like someone saying, well, I didn't get nine, five, nine. So I think the record's now 10, oh, one. I'm like, that's not how it works, son. That's the standard. We're going to go after the standard no matter what. That's what I'm pursuing is Jesus. And so if it doesn't hit, just know you can always go back to him. You can always go back to him. He's always going to be good. That's always his will. I feel like you've answered pretty much all the questions that I sent you. Oh, boy. Here but we go. there is one that I think we should dive into before we wrap it up. Okay. Which you've answered a little bit of it, but we'll we'll just see. We'll just see if you have more in that brain of yours. Okay. Go ahead. Let's pull stuff I, out. I did say, you know, like non-believers probably don't understand how Christians can love and worship a God that allow innocent children to die how can we respond to that that's very good i love it and i love that you use the word allow yeah that's the perfect way to say it because yeah. that's the way we sometimes say that uh sometimes people say uh why did god do that and some people will believe that god did not do that 
But then they'll say, God allowed it. Yeah. I don't even like that word because would a good parent allow somebody else or allow a dog to bite their child's face? A good parent would be like, oh, no, I'm not going to just, but I'm trying to teach you a lesson about patience. So I'm going to allow this dog to chew on your face. No good parent would ever. And sometimes we blame things on God and tell things God did and say it's okay. When in real life, we would throw a person in jail for the things that we tell said God would do. Yeah. And God would never do that. And we got to realize too, and that, that God created the whole uh, idea of parents, moms and dads, and that heart for you to protect your children and love your children and look after your children. Where do you think that came from? That came from your heavenly father. And that's how he feels about his children. And God's like saying, please quit saying allow. Yeah. <laughs> quit saying I allowed that because he does not do that. He got to realize he is a father and he's a good father. And Jesus, one of the main, I'm going to finish answering that question, but I got to give it like a little foundation to this is that Jesus, one of the greatest theological points that he made in the New Testament was not about the parables of the kingdom was not about love. I think one of the main things, and we didn't, because he doesn't talk about it outright, but he changed the way they thought in saying this. He never referred to God as God. He always referred to him as the father. And no time before that did they ever do that in the Old Testament. Hmm. He started saying the father, the father, the father. Well, you would say, well, he's a son, obviously. But no, he was teaching them something new. Yeah. Your father, your father, your father, your father. And many of us just think of it this way is that you have a dad mm -hmm. one way, whether you like him or not, but yeah, you've got, uh, one. you got one. Okay. And a good dad would always be there. Always be there. Like, you know, if your tire was flat or something. You call dad. Dad's going to show up. Uh, you're in need of something. Dad's going to show up. Dad you have a broken heart. You got a broken heart. Even dad may not know what to do, but he'd be there and kind of yeah. patch you with his, you know, I don't know. They're but there. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. A good dad would do that. Or a good mom, you know. And that's what they would do. But many of us, we know God as just God, and we don't know him as father. That's like knowing your dad by his job and not knowing him by his character. You know, if you just know your dad by what he did, when he came home, you'd say, hey, factory worker. That's like God calling God. God is knowing his ability, his potential, what he's able to do. But when you know him as father, you knowing what he wants to do. You know his heart. There's a different. And many of us, we don't know his heart. We just know what he is. I'm glad you said that because the last couple interviews that we've had, have been women and they have had not so great past with their fathers. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how they have a hard time calling God their father. So they call him their friend. God mm -hmm. is my friend. And I'm, I'm glad that they're in that spot now in their life, you know, coming from not wanting to talk to God at all, going to, he's my friend. I'm like, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere. But then in my heart, when they're talking about it, I'm like, oh, but he is such a, if you would allow him to be a good father, yeah, 
He is a good father. He's not like your earthly father that has abandoned you or, you know, yeah, neglected like, you or yeah, anything of that know, sort. Because like a, and it's never too late to get into that relationship. Because a, you know, a bad dad to a good dad is like from the floor to the ceiling. But a good dad to your heavenly father is like from the ceiling to the sky. Yeah. So you can say, well, I didn't have a good dad. Just know the heavenly father. Yeah. It'll change everything. It's true. It will change everything. It, your good dad is only supposed to point to the heavenly father. That's the best you can do as a dad or a mom is like point them. That's the yes. whole point of you is the point. I mean, cause you only can hit, there's limits on what you can do, but there is no limit to what he can do. Yeah. And so that's, that's the point. And so with that being said, is like going back to that thing is God allowed Ask say that question again. What you kind of what you said. So the whole question was: non-believers don't understand how we can love and worship a God that allows innocent children to die. How can we respond to that? Right, and so he doesn't. He doesn't allow. He's not to do with. It's not what we were stating there at the beginning. It's like he gave us authority, and he wants us to do it. He wants us to be a part of the plan. Yeah, and I think when we do that, we kind of negate any sort of responsibility on ourselves and we're like i want to create a theology where i have no accountability it's only god it has nothing to do with me anymore i want to create a theology a theology where i'm not accountable for any of my actions i want to create a theology or a thought where i can say what i want and do what i want and if something good doesn't happen it's his fault and that's not how it works. And that's why he said, if my people will do this, if you listen to my words and obey my commands, it said, everything you touch will be prosperous. What if it ever doesn't get prosperous? I'm just gonna let you know. It has nothing to do with got it. I gotta change. Yeah. It's me that has to change. And when we line up more and more with what he wants to do, it's gonna be like more heaven on earth in our life, basically, you know. Yeah. And, and so has the has the Certain churches, like in the generations, even in our early generation, or even now, um, the ones that won't speak about the devil, that, you know, just kind of pretend he's not there. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like that's hurting us as a body? Well, yeah, I think it, we need to have a full gospel, because even Jesus kind of talked about him to give, to give clarity. And I think we should talk about him, not in the sense to show how strong he is. Right. But just know, hey, this is where there. it comes from. Acknowledge that he's there. Yeah. This is, because you can't love people correctly if you don't realize that's where they're operating out of, you know? Yeah. Because then we're just saying some people are just evil. That's not true. Right. That's not what Jesus thought. He thought, hey, I, I'm dying for them, and I want you to think the same way I think about them. I and mean, then some of us, we can't think about people the way we're supposed to because we forget they're operating out of their, you know, their lineage basically yeah. they're operating out of sin yeah and uh it can be fixed if jesus gets in there and they were twisted just like you were one time too and you know because yeah we all come not from a different testimony we were all sinners yeah and then we became believers and so we i don't look at this i had a friend that's like i'm tired of people always asking me for my testimony <laughs> He said, he just said that he's like, it's kind of annoying. And I said, <laughs> you know what, what they don't realize, I said to him, I said, they don't realize is their testimony was as bad as yours. They just don't realize it. They think they got there on their own. 
they think God saved you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And some of us, we ha- have the, almost that self-righteousness aspect. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. thinking, I got here on my own. Yeah, I did this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my testimony is not as good as yours. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. You just don't realize how bad you were. Yeah. And so sometimes when you get that revelation, you wonder why some people don't worship like crazy, like when it comes to worship times, because they don't realize how bad they actually were. They don't realize where they were actually heading. Yeah. They didn't know where they were going. You need to get a revelation. Some people just need to get a revelation of how horrible they were. They were heading straight to hell. And if it wasn't for Jesus, you, he was your only shot at this thing. And if it wasn't for him, you'd be going there. And you would just be like, I, I can't. I can't just not praise God. I can't yeah. during worship time. I can't worship God with my hands in my pockets anymore. No. I got to fall to my knees. I got to jump. I got to shout because what he did for me. Yeah. And I think um, we have to have more of a, like I said, a spiritual mindset, not to be so weird though. Cause some people are so weird and they, you know, they pray about which bread to get at when they go to the <laughs> grocery store. I was actually going to say that is that there is a middle ground to it where, you know, it's kind of like you get stopped at the, you're in a hurry and you get stopped at a red light. Gosh, Satan can't believe that you allowed me to get at a red light. You know, well, it's and God's not- like, well, I told you, know, if you would just get up earlier, you wouldn't care if it was a red light. <laughs> you, you would know, get up I, when I tell you to, if yeah. you would go to bed when I tell, you, tell to you to bed. If you wouldn't stay up all night because you have FOMO, fearing you're going to miss out something at midnight, what are you going to miss out on? Go to bed. You're speaking to my heart right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, just go to sleep. You're not going to wake up. You'll be refreshed. God's like, Quit blaming the devil for your lack of, you know, yeah, some discipline. Do, yeah, lack mm-hmm. of discipline. You know, I heard one person say it one time. He's like, I went to the, you know, me, I get, didn't get the raise. I didn't do this. I didn't, this didn't happen for me. He's like, yeah, because I heard your speech. It was crud. You just put together <laughs> for the last second thinking, God's so good. <laughs> God's guy's like, I ain't anointing that. You know, <laughs> he's like, I had no part in that. You didn't, if you would have listened to me, you would have been working on that thing a long time ago. And I think sometimes people do that. And some people are like, oh, man, the God is, he's not going to get me today. I was like, because uh, they were talking about like the sound system wasn't working at something. I was like, by the story you're telling me, it sounded like it was a Mickey Mouse uh, operation that was going on. They're like, well, God was trying to stop us from worshiping. I was like, they didn't even have the keyboard out. What are you talking about? You just pulled it out the last second. You forgot. I was like, did you forget you're going to worship there that night? I was like, you didn't even have it set up. What do you mean God's trying to stop the sound system? I was like. It's like one of my favorite quotes from uh, T.D. Jakes is um, God, God made trees, but he didn't make a chair. Yeah. Like he gave you the, the, you know, the tree to build something, but he, you've got to build it. Yeah. And it's like, we don't, we, we always forget that we think that God is just going to do every single thing for us. Like, why aren't you doing this in my life? God is good. You know, and that's, that's part of it too, is like when he put us, he created us and put us in the garden of Eden. It was not supposed to stay there. It was supposed to spread. Yeah. It was supposed to spread all over. If my people will do what they're supposed to do, he'll do what he's supposed to do. And I think, you know, as just, you know, there's a, there's a point of everything you do, do it unto the Lord as well because we can't just go out there and expect god is so good but you gotta he said work hard you know when you work work hard don't toil that's a different thing because people want to have 18 side hustles and you know their whole life is running into shambles and they have nothing no life or vitality left in them and they want to write you know and i I was talking about this last night and this hopefully isn't a side topic but someone's like 
a, a, million, a millionaire has an average of six side, side hustles. I was like, you know why they have six side hustles? Because they became a millionaire and they can start side hustles. Yeah. I was like, they just weren't doing six side hustles. At the they, beginning. At the beginning, they were starting off and they got their one company going. They're like, oh, now you can run it. I'll start something else. I'll still get money from this, but right. I'll start some. And they start doing other side hustles. It's like, they didn't just... The, I always feel like don't tell people that fact because you're trying to get them to buy into your little side hustle business. I was like, just tell them the truth. That's how it actually happened. And so that's true. I like Elon Musk was doing one thing. Then he started something else. Yeah. Anyway, so nice but, one to space. Yeah. And so I just think we can't just sit there and just wait for the goodness of God. We, he ordains the steps of the righteous. So you step out and do things. But when bad things happen, I think we first thing we need to do is be still and know we need to pull ourselves away from the situation and say, God, where are you moving in this right now? I need to know. I didn't know how you, what you're doing. And I think for a non-believer, that's hard sometimes because you're like, this is solidifies what I was saying, you know, but you have to realize if you are a non-believer and you're saying these things, you exit, you acknowledge, like if you're saying, if your God is good, you're acknowledging God exists, but what you're also acknowledging is I don't have good theology as well. And maybe everything that I heard about God isn't true. Maybe we need to just dig in to see what God really says. Because from the beginning to the end, God had a plan of redemption. Even though we're the ones that made the mistakes, God said, I'm going to send myself, my son, to go die for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think when you look at the book, the Bible as a whole, instead of just, I'm going to pull this chunk out and just stand on it. You got to look at it from a whole perspective. And it was made to be read as a whole, not as I'm going to pull this little verse out here and pull this little verse out here. You know, there's certain things you can pull out and say, well, obviously that's God's plan for I know the plans I have for you. That is a very overarching thing. If he says, I don't want this to happen. It says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but what? All will be saved. Do people go to hell? Probably. But that's not his plan. Yeah. His his plan, even for hell, was never to send people there. It was to send Satan there. Because you got to realize in heaven, sin cannot exist. It can't. So if there's an ounce of sin in you, you can't make it there. So God said, I'm going to send my son to eradicate it in you. And if you don't want it, it's going to break his heart. But if you do want it, it's going to make him the happiest person on earth Right. that because he has to eradicate. You cannot live in heaven. You can't operate in heaven with with any sin. It has to be because you will die. I, I mean, literally, you will die. I mean, it kind of kind of shows that in the Old Testament is that if you walked into the Holy of Holies with an ounce of sin and you, you would die in God's presence. So you cannot be in God's presence with an ounce of sin in you. And so that's why it's not by your work. It's by Jesus. And so he he loves you. He cares for you. His plan is to redeem you and his plan is never to hurt you. So if anyone ever says that, well, God did this. What about Job, Joel? What about Job? I don't follow Job. I'm not a follower of Job. I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And just because something happened in the Bible doesn't mean it was God's plan. Like I said, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God's plans for Job was even this. It wasn't God's plan. And we could go into that stuff all along, but I want you guys just to realize that, 
you know, God's plan is always good. It'll always be good. and It'll never not be good. And if anyone ever says, I don't know why God's putting me through this. He's not. He's trying to pull it out of you. So that's what I was going to end with was like, what was so, what would be something that you would want to leave with the audience that maybe are, you know, needing comfort during this time of, you know, cause a lot of, I feel like a lot of parents are kind of just feeling really worrisome right now of, you know, that could have been, that could have been my family that, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's easy for us to sit here and talk about, um, you know, all the good things, but if it was our children that, mm-hmm. you know, it would be a totally different dynamic. I mean, we would still be talking about Jesus, but in that pain, just maybe something that we can remind people. Yeah. Even in the pain, cause people are experiencing pain, like you said, in different situations other mm-hmm. than just this, that you're like, God is good, but this, I'm feeling this right now. It says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Seek him and you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart is what it says. Yeah. Seek him. So when bad hits you, seek him. When hurt hits you, seek him. And when you seek him, it says you'll find him. You'll always find him. In the midst of hurt, he'll find you. Peace is going to hit you. Comfort's going to hit you. Healing's going to hit you. Whatever your salvation is that you're in need of, it'll hit you. So for those who are maybe doubting, I'm going to put you to the test here. Like maybe you're a non-believer or you are a believer and you're running with doubts. I dare you to wholeheartedly seek him and see what happens. Many people are like, I don't want to do that. Well, I said, is it because you're running from him? Or are you running from the hurt? Yeah. Which one is it really are you doing? Are you running? Because if you seek him, you'll find him. Healing's going to come, but then there's a whole other problem. It's more like clinging on to sin. More yeah, than- yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I, what did this one apologist said? He said, if I presented Jesus to you and without a doubt, he was the truth and you knew he was the truth, would you serve him? And he goes, I've had people tell me no. Mm. And he goes straight up. They have told me no. And I said, well, it's more of an obedience. Yeah, issue. it's not, it's not a truth problem. Yeah. It's a heart problem. Yeah. And so I want to just tell everyone, if you're not seeking him, I dare you just if just give it a week. I mean, just give it a night just to seek him, cry out to him Mm -hmm. if he's real, getting his word. I can't tell you how many people got into his word trying to prove that he was false and said he's real. Yeah. And they became like, yeah, great Christians and like he's real. You're like. Ask yourself: Is this a heart thing, or is this a is this a mind thing? Because a lot of times I find it's a heart thing, and God's drawing you to Him even right now. So seek Him; you'll find Him when you seek Him with all your heart. When you're in hurt, seek Him. When you're in struggle with your faith, seek Him. And uh, the Bible says, "At His right hand are treasures forevermore." And so, when you get close to Him, there come the treasures. And so, you're going to find all the things that you need are with Him. So. That's true. I'm going to end with this because it was a random index card on my desk this morning that I forgot was there. Cause I, sometimes I'll leave little scriptures around, not just for my sake of, you know, reading them and, and maybe hitting me at the right moment, but to also try and memorize because <laughs> I suck at that. But I found this this morning and I was like, wow, 
how great that this can be, you know, directed towards the situation. It's 1 Corinthians 14.33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So, with that said, thanks, Joel, for coming on for the third time. I'm sure it won't be your last. You're like like my go-to. And I'm like, hey, we need to talk about this. Sure. Come over. <laughs> Michelle just tells me. Yeah, it helps that. That's my wife, in case you guys don't know. Well, they all know that because Michelle's like my bestie. <laughs> but no, they live like just a few minutes down the road. So it's pretty easy for them to come over and, and do an interview with me. I even make Michelle come over too. <laughs> hey, we need to talk about photography stuff. But like Joel said, always seek Jesus, always seek him, get in his word. Spend some time with him, and I promise you that you will see the light. <laughs> you will. I mean, it, it It might be instantly. It might be the next day. But you will start to have some revelations of like, oh, so this guy they talk about, this God and this Jesus guy, he really is real. And you'll see it for yourself. And then you'll, you'll be like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> so just take it in day by day and just allow allow Jesus to walk through that with you. And you're not alone. You're not by yourself. He really is there. It is a spiritual thing. So thanks, Joel. You're welcome. Uh, thanks purpose pleasers audience. I hope you guys are doing good. Top 3% in the nation. We're going to go for number two, number one, (laughs) then the world. We're coming for you, Joe Rogan. We're coming for your belt. (laughs) All right. On that note, we love you guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose Podcast social media pages, please comment, like, and share. This generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners. You never know, one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word. I need daily motivation myself. Last, but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast, but Picturing Purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need. Whatever God puts on my heart is where the money will go. There is no donation too small, and you can also set up reoccurring payments. Even $5 a month would be super helpful. If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.